Welcome to Rogue Bogues, the basketball series. Myself, Andrew Bogut, and Mike Procopio on the other end from the US. How's it going? Bogues, what's going on, brother? I'm like a proud papa right now. I got one of my clients finally breaking the rotation for the Lakers, Max Christie. Had six, two threes to seal the game, um, seal the game a couple of nights ago, and now he had five quick ones against Washington. So just watching that, things are going good. Otherwise, so yeah, I'm sure I'll get fired by him sooner or later, like like the rest of them. But you know, I'll, I'll ride high for now. <laughs> yeah, you got to get that that payout clause they do for you. That's a, that's what all the smart agents do, the pro. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I think I get all my my uh, contracts from RocketLawyer.com or something. So I don't think there's any fucking payment clauses in there. Yeah, all the templates. But uh, a very busy week in the NBA and in the basketball world. A lot going on in the NBA. A lot going on um, here in Australia in the NBL. Obviously, the World Cup just finished. Do you watch Soccer Pro? Do you, I don't. Do you, you know, what, game? like I got too much fucking shit I'm into. I can't. You know, I got 800 fucking TV shows. <laughs> the fucking Yellowstone, and now I got this shit. And that, now you're asking me to watch soccer. I do watch Ted Lasso. That's a good hat. You know, in the mix thing. But no, I don't. But everyone's been everyone uh, fucking was Americans, going nuts man. Today about fucking Argentina. It was a great game. Yeah. I, I, I didn't. I didn't wake up for it. I'm not going to lie because I think it was one or two in the morning here. Um, when you got kids, that shit goes out the window. But I watched the highlights, and it was it looked like a fantastic game. Three three regulation and uh, penalties goes to Argentina. So any of you people that are following this for basketball, if you do not like soccer that much, or even if you do like it a little bit, and you haven't seen those highlights, I. You know, highly urge you to go and watch it. It looked like a great spectacle. And, you know, soccer is just on a, on a different level as, as a world game with the World Cup's on. So it's always fun to watch. But you are here for basketball, people. So, yes, we can hear you. Let's get started. Team of the Weeks Pro. Um, what do you got? I have a few honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. I've got four honorable mentions. It's the East Coast. It's an Eastern Conference party. Nice. Um, the West don't, don't have one candidate that I had for, t- for Team of the Week. Yeah. Uh, my honorable mentions from the East, Miami, Cleveland, Brooklyn, Philly all had pretty good solid weeks of wins. Um, but I'm going to give it – I'm going to – it's a tie for my team of the week, bro. It's a tie. Um, I'm giving it to New York and Orlando, co-rookie of the year type award. Both of them deserve it. Orlando, a hell of a week, man. They they, they beat Boston twice, um, playing really, really good basketball, and it just seems like it's starting to come together for that young group. And, and we said from the start, it's not always going to result in wins for that group. But if they can just – stay in games and be close, squeak out a few wins. That's all you really expect from them this season. But, man, to, to go down and and beat Boston, I, I don't think Tatum played in the game today um, or yesterday. Uh, is that correct? Uh, he was out. I thought he played. Uh, no, I don't think he did. I don't think he did play. I think he got hurt. He didn't, yeah, he didn't play in the no, last no, game. No, no, no. Was it I personal you, reasons? Somebody was out for personal reasons. I'm not sure. Yeah. I forgot. I'm not sure, but but I mean, this week they beat they beat Toronto again. They played them three times in four not in in four games or five games. But anyway, they beat Toronto. They beat Atlanta. They beat Boston, and then beat Boston again. So they definitely deserved it. Um, like I said, they're you know Manchero is continuing to excel. Bowl 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 is playing very very well. He starts starting to rise. Uh, long athletic, bringing the ball up, kind of Giannis e a little bit with the way he just gets it off the board defensively and. Just just brings it up those long 
strides, then Euros into a dunk, doesn't even jump off the floor because he's he's just so long and athletic. Um, but yeah, they, they've been good. And then and then the Knicks, uh, I have to give it to the Knicks. I mean, they've had a lot of problems over the last couple of seasons with consistency and and all that. And it looks like it's finally coming together. Look, they didn't have the, they haven't had the hardest schedule in in this at least this past week. Um, their streak is seven in a row. It started, the seven streak started with Cleveland, Atlanta, and Charlotte. And then over this last week, they've then beaten Sacramento, Chicago twice. Chicago looked horrible, by the way, and Indiana. So the Knicks, you know, it just seems like it's starting to steady out for them. Their rotations are getting right. They're getting healthy. Um, you know, Brunson's provided a much-needed kind of calming presence to that lineup, I think, at times, because now all of a sudden you don't have to go to an erratic Randall at times when you need a bucket, and then RJ Barrett still at times is inconsistent. Um, so give that that third third monster in that starting lineup to get you a bucket, and and Thibs must be happy with the way they're trending, but they're, they're my two pro. I'm not sure what you think about those two squads. I mean, we'll start with the Orlando Magic, which I, I, I did ask you before the pod started if you'd fire me if I picked them three weeks in a row. I mean... You know, there's not really a better young team in basketball than than those guys. Like young, I'm not talking about best team in basketball, but just a young team. Those guys are playing their hearts out. Jamal Mosley, you know, like that's one thing that you know he, he is a good coach and he's going to get better in time. But he gets guys to you know sort of buy in. He's pretty truthful and sort of honest and you know energetic and. You know, lets people do what they do, and they got a, a lot of young talent. And you know, with with Orlando, like you know, my biggest thing with Orlando, they gave that contract out to Jonathan Isaac, who was hurt. You know, had some bad luck early on in the tenure there, and now they've got you know Wagner on Bonchero, and they got you know they got Bol Bol playing at the level that he is, and. You know, I think they're just a good team. Um, I think if they just hang in there, like we've been saying, and you've been a big part of it, saying that, like, look, you just got to, you know, just got to be patient with this group. And, look, they're not a perfect group. I'm not saying that they're going to be the, you know, the 86 Celtics by any stretch of the imagination, but they are a good team that you got to show up every night to play. Even if they don't have enough, they will They will compete for 48 minutes. They're a good team. They're solid. Um they, you know, they got some young legs that just sort of comes at you and attack. They're not afraid. So it'll be an interesting team. They've got, you know, I would say about 98% of their talents under their rookie contract. So they can control their own destiny with all of these guys. And, you know, it, when it comes time to extend them, if they want, they'll, they'll be restricted free agents. They could extend them early. They'll, they'll be restricted that they can match. So they've... They've got a lot of they've got a, a lot of power going forward. They got a good coach, um, you know. That's that's a good deal. And then New York, you know, I, I think they've got them playing well. Um, you know, Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett, they're you know they're playing better. Over, you know, you know Brunson's been pretty solid all year, and then um, you know Barrett's been playing decent, and you know getting some good minutes out of Randall, and you know some effective play. So. I know they they put Fournier in the bench, you know, you know a couple of weeks ago, and that's ended up being a decent deal. And yeah, they're they're playing, they're competing. Um, yeah, I've been pretty critical of those guys, but I, I I like them. You know, I I think Orlando's the best team, but New York's been playing well and solid, and you know, going forward, and you know, Tibbs has been taking a bat, you know, a beating the last twelve months or so. I'm glad they've got some success. You know, he grinds those guys out and plays hard. 
you know, have those guys play as hard and they compete. So, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty interesting. But you're right. There's really not a team in the West that you could say, you know, they could even compete with the, with the teams that you've had, you know, on your list, you know, going forward with this week. And you look at Orlando, uh, just quickly. I mean, they've won six straight as well, by the way, just for everyone out there. Um, they lost four straight before that, so they're six and four in their last ten. But their, their, their cap situation, man, as you said, next season they're on the books for – 122 million this year, 110 next season. Then it drops to 31 million on their books. So, like you said, they're building talent with rookie contracts. You sprinkle in a few borderline, you know, I, I, I doubt they're going to get a, a complete first tier superstar. Um, because I'm not sure even if you want to with the youngs that you're bringing up, but if you can get a, you know, that second tier couple of those superstars in, in that cap. Um, and, a, and a couple more veterans, man. They're, they're going to be a scary team in a year or two because um, they have they have a shitload of cap space to spend. If they make the right moves in that, what, what year is that? Two thousand twenty four, twenty five. If they make the right moves, then they don't they don't make any stupid deals. Um, they got a chance to be really really good, and obviously they got to keep some of that cap space for for extensions the year after and whatnot with their rookie deals. But uh, they're in a really good spot, and, and New York's you know New York's at the bottom salary-wise too, they're 21st. So they're not overspending with their roster for how well they're playing. Um, next season goes up a little bit, but then it, then, it, then it falls back down again. So two teams that are kind of in the bottom bottom half of salary cap that are doing well. And look, Orlando, as we said, their record, people look at it, oh, well, they're still bottom five in the East, yes, but they a lot of people thought they'd be much worse. They, they look at their roster in the preseason, a lot of young guys, a lot of development to happen. To be winning games this early in that process is, uh, is impressive. Who do you have this week? Folks, and just one one more step with that is just like building teams and, you know, how teams are so stupid sometimes with, you know, just signing guys to sign guys and you throw away cap. You know, I, I, the definition doesn't stop. It's, it's the same for everybody. You develop, you, you, you know, you evaluate great talent, you draft well, and then you develop that talent, and then you just sort of sprinkle in free agents as they come along, and then hopefully the the guys that you draft, you you put them in, you know, you put them in position to be successful, and and that's, I think that that's any that's a formula for any good team, instead of just like giving money out, like you know, just throwing money out to huge free agent. I mean, huge free agent contracts to guys that don't earn it, like the Knicks, right? The Brunson contract, like, let's be honest, it's not that bad, you know, in in retrospect, you know, because of the fact that, look, he's a starting point guard in the NBA. Starting point guard in the NBA is right around the average, around where he's getting paid, you know, but it's like giving money out, you know, Fournier's contract and things like that and just bringing in, you know, talent like that and just way overpaying, that could hurt you. And in Orlando Magic, like you said, they're they're way down on salary. And, you know, now they could just sort of develop their talent, add a couple of pieces and still be okay. My team, my team Vogues this week is Brooklyn. Um, you know, they've been playing well. They've been sort of solidifying, you know, uh and they they've taken obviously their lumps early with the whole Simmons thing and Kyrie and you know, I think they've just been playing well. Um, you know, those guys are competing. They're beating teams. Um, they didn't beat anybody great this week, but again, just playing, just playing well. Just watching, you know, like Kyrie and Durant and those guys go off. Remember that last week we were talking about Patty Mills stepping up and you know Cam Thomas stepping up. And I'll tell you what, they've got a nice young player in this kid. Uh, <laughs> I always fuck his name up. What 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 Anabi? 
and you know what an obby that's it you got it he's fun to watch man he he shows energy he makes shots right now he's not plays el- hard folks he's not eligible for it um because of the attempts but right now he would have been leading the league in three-point shooting you know he's at 54 percent uh from three point and but i don't think he has enough attempts or whatever i, I forgot how they yeah, he didn't play not he didn't he didn't play much in this, the start of the year right is that why uh yeah he really and he only played in 50, on. he was injured right now he's played in 57 percent of his games so yeah um in most of these in most Mm-hmm. Like most of the awards, it's got to be 70% or 72% of your games. But I'm not sure about the three-point shooting. I thought like it has to be like you made or you took a certain amount. I'm not sure. But they're look, they're, they are who they are. We've been, we talk about them all the time. But like they are still a talented group if they can get it together. Like, you know, with Kyrie and Durant and, you know, Ben Simmons doing his thing. And then, look, you got other pieces like – you know, you get Seth Curry and, you know, Nick Claxton brings it every night. Royce O'Neal, Harris, you know, Harris has been hurt. TJ Warren's been hurt. They're finally coming back a little bit. So, I mean, they're a good group. I don't know where they can go or how, you know, how far they can go. Right now, they're sitting, I think they're sitting fourth in the East. So, you know, second, you know. Nine and one in their last 10. Nine and one in their last 10. They had a, gr- had a great month after a pretty average start, but they... Look, they have the horses to – I've said this from the start of the season. Um, I don't think – look, if you're Milwaukee or Boston, you don't want to see them in the first or second round. Um, looks like they're going to be in the upper echelon. But, you know, you just don't know. Like if KD eats his Wheaties and KD and, 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 and Kyrie come to play like they've been playing this last month, they could, they could cause an upset. I mean, look, over the course of a series, you still favor Milwaukee or, or Boston, but I don't think it's going to be as easy as people think because – those two guys can win you win you one or two games single handedly in a series, so it'd be interesting to see, you know, especially towards the end of the season when teams start playing, you know, avoid a seeding games, you know, where they, they purposely lose games to fall up and down, you know, who who avoids Brooklyn, who avoids, you know, whether they want Brooklyn or Philly in that in that mix. Um, the four five is going to be really interesting because right now it's it's Brooklyn and, and and Philly and and the East is is very very deep. So I think Brooklyn are one of those teams. Philly kind of, I'm almost favoring Brooklyn more than Philly right now because Philly, Philly have started to turn it around, but Brooklyn just seem like they're figuring it out. So, and, and they've got a deep, deep roster, so they can they can you know have a few injuries, guys getting foul trouble, and then all of a sudden you got Patty Mills playing zero minutes for six straight games, comes in and, and goes whack, whack, whack. You got Seth Curry who's been not playing as well the last couple of games, playing smaller minutes. Like you said, Watanabe, you've got, I mean, they've got a lot of weapons, so. Um, I'm I'm high on them right now, just because I feel like they're starting to put it together, and you know, the the body of work they've done in December has been great. So, I think it's a good peak, and I'd lo- I'd love to see, you know, them continue this form and and giving the East a shake because we, I mean, everyone kind of counted them out after the first month, right? Like they were what they, they were out of the ten at one point, I think, you know, early on in the season, they were ten or eleven. They, I think they might have fallen out for a couple of games, but um. Good on them for figuring it out. They made a change of the coach, and, and it seems like they're actually a bit more bought into playing a bit more defense and sharing the ball a little bit. And knowing that at the end of the day, you got KD and Kyrie there to get you a bucket. So good for good for Brooklyn, bro. Yeah, for sure. And look, when you got two guys like that, and as long as you fill in with other talent that gives a little energy, plays a little defense from time to time, you're going to have a chance. It's just 
they got to stop the fucking nonsense. You know, they got to stop and just play and just play basketball. The whole Kyrie thing, the whole Simmons thing, just play. And and they got talent. NBA's NBA rule. Um, well, the first rule in the NBA doesn't start until players only meeting. The second thing is the the most talent's going to win. You know, nine times out of ten. So. You know, all they got to do is just sort of settle down, put it, you know, put it into perspective what they need to do. They got these two guys, they can stay healthy and and they can go and they got a nice little you know, supporting cast and role. So, yeah, um, you know, looking forward to watching those guys going forward. And we'll go on to our team of the very week. That's what we're going to rename it, pro. We're going to go team of the very week. Very. So if, if the listeners, yeah, if, if the listeners out there can't figure that one out, um, we're in some trouble, pro. So yeah, team of the very week. I'm going with Toronto, pro. They've been they've been horrific over the last not just week but couple of weeks. They've they've they don't look good. Uh, it looks like I'm not sure what's going on there. There's a push pull going on between. You know, from the research I've done, Scotty Barnes and then the, the older group I saw, um, you know, Van Vliet and a few of the older guys saying, look, we're still young and Siakam and those guys saying, oh, we've still got a lot of young guys. And I don't think the young guys are buying into that too much because they've done a lot of dumb things. Um, they've had late game situations a couple of games ago. They need a three. Um, they, they brick the three. Siakam grabs a rebound under the basket with two seconds left and puts it in, puts, a, puts the ball in the basket with like one point whatever left and they're still down one. So, you know, your basketball IQ stuff, you grab that rebound, you got to kick it out for a three. So they've, they've done a lot of these things late in games um, that, that aren't, you don't really attribute those to a Toronto team. They usually move the ball so well and usually the best shots usually found. This is, this is becoming a push-pull between the young and the old, I think, and they're going to have to make changes. They have lost, what did they lose? Four straight this week. They just got pelted by the Golden State Warriors without Steph Curry on their home floor, looked absolutely horrible, weren't in the game for much of it. They put it on a bit of a fight in the fourth quarter and made the score respectable, but that could have easily been a 30-point loss without, once again, Steph Curry. So we know how much Golden State struggles without him and the fact that I think that might have been Golden State's first road win. So they they just look like they're all over the place. Um, it's not a not a joyful place at the moment up there in Canada in Toronto, and they got. A, I don't know what they do. They got a lot of a lot of pieces still left over from that championship, so you got to respect that. But yeah, they've Golden State last game. Uh, they lost to Brooklyn. They lost to Sacramento. And they lost to Orlando twice before that. So um, we talk about how good Orlando has been, considering. Toronto's been horrible, pro, and I think um, I'm not sure there's a quick fix for them. But get this: here's a uh, here's a useful useless for you early on. They have not won more than two games in a row all season, pro. So that's that's pretty hard to do. And and considering that stat, it's actually quite impressive that they're still they're still on the running in the East. Cons- you know, like they're what are they? They're tenth right now at thirteen and seventeen. That's only because they've lost five in a row. They were five hundred, and they have not won more than two in a row. So it's two two wins, one loss. You know, two losses, one win. So give me your thoughts on on Toronto, folks. So. The young versus the old, you say. So obviously, Scotty Bonds is part of the young group. Is the OG? Is he part of the young group or the older group? OG. He's, he's the young group, group. yeah. So OG, and I think I think Scotty's. I think it's Scotty's team. He's the he's the guy. Like he and he looks like he has a basketball. Like he looks like he has a real high basketball IQ of making the right play. The, the, the few clips that I've watched, I actually watched one on YouTube not long ago, earlier today. Where a guy made a point about it's it's not the young guys' fault. It's it's the veterans. They're they're, they're not. 
you know, high IQ players uh, as they should be. They're, they're, they were more role players off Kawhi and other guys that have now been paid to be the guy and it's not, it doesn't suit them. Whereas, you know, you watch a lot of clips of, of, of Scotty Barnes, he makes the right play. Like he, he'll draw two and he'll kick it. You won't even think about it. Whereas some of these other guys, Van Vliet, especially this season, has been pretty poor at, you know, is he really a true point guard? He's more of a scoring guard and, and he'll he'll draw two, three and then shoot a one-foot step back, you know? And I think... um I think there's definitely an issue there with with young and older. I, I, if I'm a betting man, I, I think they they continue like this for another month. They're going to have to just surround this this team around Scotty Barnes completely, accelerate that even more than they have, and move on from those other two guys and maybe get some picks back. So you're dealing Siakam. You're going to deal <clears throat> Van Fleet, uh, Van Fleet, and then potentially, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely look at you know Siakam. Um, they've had history there. With Nurse and him, you know, he was suspended last season, remember, when he yeah. got into it with them. So I think there's some fire there, Van Vliet, you know, neither here or there. I just don't think he's a permanent point guard fix. Like, I, I think, you know, they, they could get by with him when Kawhi was on the team and Kawhi was basically, you know, in the playoffs and the finals, he was your point forward at times. You can get away with a scoring guard, but when you need a a point to actually in that in that system, you know, create and distribute and do that. I just don't think he's that. I think he's a great player. I just don't think he's a he's a natural point guard. So I think um yeah, like I said, um my hunch is that if this does not get better soon, I would I would just go accelerate the growth of, of Scotty Barnes and be like, Yep, you're our guy now. We're moving the other guys. We're gonna get pieces around you to make you great. And we think you can be and I think he's a, he's the one guy on that roster that I think he's his potential is much higher than anyone else. Yeah. Like I'm not really that high on Siakam. I never really was. Not that he's a, not that I'm saying he's a bad player, but he's stretched the imagination. He's good. He, he was putting up 24 and eight and seven. I mean, he does put up numbers, but like I just don't know what he does great. You know, he does a lot of good things. You know, OG is probably. I think he's leading the league in steals, and you know, obviously Scotty Bond is good. Like, and again, I think Scotty Bond is a really good player. I don't think anything he does is great. I think he's got a high IQ, like you said. He knows how to play. And they got some issues there because if they're not really winning games and if there is an internal issue, and we don't know unless we, you know, we're in the building and we're not. So, but like they got to sort of go in a, a certain direction. I think Van Vliet, they've maximized his potential there. And, and look, if you're going to get off of him, I think you can get um, a laundry list of things. You know, if you're dealing Siakam and Van Vliet, you just got to figure that, you know, figure out what you want. It'll be interesting if they ever thought about pulling a deal with the Lakers, if the Lakers ever get back in the Westbrook, you know, especially with Anthony Davis being on a, mo- a month, what they would do if they would try to pull a deal. For but, you, but you look at, you look at um, Barnes' numbers right now, he's, he's 15, 7, and 5, and he's, he's probably – as far as the ball in his hands, he'd be the third, fourth option, uh, third probably on that team. You know, it's not like he's Van Vliet's dribbling the air out of it and then Siakam's really, really getting, uh, making a play for someone else and getting assists. So numbers aren't horrible at 15, 7, and 5. Mm-hmm. So I, I just wonder, can he, can he you, you, I mean, maybe you don't agree that can he be that guy in a year or two where he, he's your one, two option game in, game out? Yeah, I mean, Siakam, look, Siakam's got a usage rate of 28 and, and Van, um, and Bonds got, I think, a usage rate of about twenty. I think. Look, if you if you up the plays that you run to him and run through him a little bit more, yeah, of course his number is going to go up. I don't think Siakam's really a go-to guy, and he averages twenty-five and eight. You know, he could definitely do. He can definitely up his numbers and definitely get better without question. I think players in this league that get more reps as far as being the guy 
you know, they they become better in most situations that like did they just learn from night night in and night out, especially if you have a little bit of talent. Um I agree. If you're not going anywhere and you're gonna finish nine, ten, or eleven and you really have no room for growth, you might as well look, you know, to Dale Vinfleet, Dale Siakam, see what you can get, and then you just build it around Scotty Bonds, OG, and then maybe even keep Gary Trent Jr. for shooting. Um I just it's a, it's a little weird to me that not they're not better off right now. And I just don't I don't understand why that is, but they're just inconsistent and you know, they just I don't know. Um you'd think they would have had enough of those pieces that won a championship that it could at least like sort of figure some winning things out and I'm not saying they were a top four team, but five, six, seven I expected. But um yeah, they they've got they definitely got some they definitely got some tough decisions to make in the next I say, you know, three to you know, three to ten months. Yeah, agree. Who you have? I got Washington Bogues, and I'm watching them right now. Um, you know, look, they've got three really good players. Um, you know, f- correct me if I'm wrong. Are they one in the la- one in nine in their last ten? Did I read that right? Yeah, yep. yeah, they're just not winning games. I mean, eight straight, eight straight, right? Yeah, Lost eight straight. Yeah, is they're it? losing tonight yeah. right now by nine to the Lakers, and look like. I thought with those three guys, you know, with, with Beal, Porzingis, and Kuzma, and then they've got some nice little pieces like, you know, Chris Burt and Will Barton and guys like that, you know, um, you, you thought you thought that they would be, you know, a little bit more solid, but I guess not. I, I don't know what they're missing, but, you know, eight straight losses. I mean, you know, it ain't like they – and then, like, they're playing any juggernauts on their schedule on a regular basis. They're just, they just look sort of out of, out of whack, out of sorts. Maybe it's because they don't really have a real point guard to really direct things there. You know, Beal's sort of been having a little bit of an off year, you know, as far as his, um, his scoring. Obviously, Porzingis there getting more reps, it's going to go down, but it's an interesting situation there, Bogues. What, what do you see there? Well, um. Kuzma wants out the door. Apparently, that's what we discussed last week. So that doesn't help the case. So he's inflating his numbers. Is he, you know, truly committed to playing defense and getting down? Whenever you have guys that want to inflate their numbers and get out of town, it's not going to result in wins. Um, I don't know. It just doesn't doesn't look like it fits. And you know, Porzingis needs to needs to make that jump to be a proven winner. Like he's he's a highlight player. Can make great plays. He knocks down the three ball at times and get hot from there, can throw it down on you, can block shots, but hasn't really resulted in winning for him. So that's probably the next step in his growth, but they should be better. And, you know, Bill's injury doesn't doesn't help him. Their roster's not as bad as it's shown on paper, but I guess if we're arguing that, who do they replace in in the in the 10 right now? You know, and the, excuse me, they've, they've lost nine straight, and if they lose to the Lakers, it's going to be 10. Which is not great, um, and they're not they're not a ten, lose ten straight bad team um, or roster in my opinion. So, but who do they replace in the top ten? Pro maybe Indiana. I mean, Indiana's starting to free fall a little bit, but at least they they play hard and they play together, right? So that's 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 the question with all this stuff. I mean, you just you just can't call it, and it's just yeah. I, I thought they'd, they'd at least be scratching a plane um, comfortably. They wouldn't have to grind it out like they are now. Yeah, and the question, Bogues, is like, too, I mean, you're going to get something, no question, but like, wh- what kind of players are you going to get when you de- if you're dealing multiple or one or multiple of those, you know, more than one of those top three? 
you know, we talked about like who, what type of package are you going to get for these guys? Um, you know, that'll be interesting. Like if you're offered like Bradley Beal right now, the question would be like, what are you, what are you going to give for Bradley Beal? Or what are you going to give for Porzingis? Like, you know, it's, is it, is it five draft picks like Rudy? Probably not. You know, like, you know, what, that's, that's the question. 29 years old, Bradley Beal averaging 23, three and five. Three-point shootings, 35, 87, and 52 from the field. One of the better, you know, field goal shooting players at his position. Uh, I think his second field goal position, uh, field goal percentage at his position. You know, and then like Porzingis, like in, uh, he's been great within, you know, been staying healthy all year this year, no doubt about it. Played, he's been playing really well. But again, like what are you getting back? Are you, are you getting uh, – do, do people give you all these draft picks for those guys? Do they – you know, that's the thing. You know, Porzingis has had some injury issues. Beal's getting up there in age. You know, Kuzma is up and down, but he's been pretty good this year. So, like, do you think there's a lot of value for the I'm, – I'm, of course there's value, but you think there's a lot of value for those guys on the open market? Like, are you going to get uh, – you're going to get sort of what Utah got for Dylan Rudy and, you know, Dylan uh, Donovan Mitchell? Or are you just going to get – Maybe Beal. Maybe Beal. Uh, Porzingis, no, Kuzma, no, um, Beal, yes, Beal. But then, you know, there's that, you know, the injury thing with, with Beal is the problem, right? Like he just can't stay healthy. But um, Porzingis and that, I don't think they're at a Rudy level yet um, to get that back just because they're not proven winners. Like Rudy, love him or hate him, you know, whatever. Utah won games with him there, him and Donovan, right? So as, as you know, as much as you can criticize it and go far in the playoffs, they still won games and had enjoyable runs for that fan base and for that club. Washington with that with that group or Pazingas in New York or Pazingas in Dallas, not so much, right? So, um, and the same goes with Kuzma. I mean, he obviously got a championship with the Lakers, but Kuzma in Washington hasn't really helped them move it. And he's been playing okay, but like I said, he's, he's a gunner offensively and I question whether they're fully committed to to doing a little thing. So I think most of those guys are looking, looking to get out. So, um, yeah, Washington's in, in all sorts. I think that's a good one and hopefully, hopefully they can get a win today against the Lakers, um, which moves on to our next segment where real quick, a couple of stars injured. Anthony Davis is out for a month plus with a foot injury and Steph Curry is out with a shoulder injury for at least a couple of weeks. So two teams that probably need their stars healthy right now that are both around the same region on the, um, on, on the, on the tables that uh, yeah, yeah, I think especially the Warriors, man. You know they just they don't win a lot of road games at the moment. They're not in the greatest of form. They started to find it a little bit, I think. Um, and I said they won their first road game against Toronto. I was wrong. They're three and fourteen on the road, which isn't that much better. But without Steph, the Warriors, I think, are going to struggle. Um, they're at eleventh right now. Lakers right below them at twelfth. They're basically a game and a half away from each other and, and they're both missing their stars. So, you know, this could be a hurtful month for the Warriors and the Lakers and a pretty deep hole to dig out of until their stars come back. And, you know, you don't want to be in the bottom part of that playing because it's a grind to even make the playoffs at that point. But um, just two injuries to note there, Pro. I'm, I'm not sure there'll be much more made of that than, than what we know. Kemba Walker, Gotta love it, bro. Uh, I don't know if you caught his games there in Dallas. Single-handedly led a Luka-less Dallas Mavericks to an overtime loss at Cleveland, but he was balling. 32-7-5. and five. 
Um, question I have for you, Pro, you love to see these stories first and foremost, one foot out of the league, grinded up through playing the G League for a week or two, called him up and, and he goes banging his first game in the NBA. He's still a, he's still a great talent. My question is, um, have they found their bench punch with Kemba? So with Luke is healthy, all things considered, Dallas is healthy. Kemba goes into that bench role. Can he be a bench role guy without volume pro? Is he capable of that? Because we know, I think Kemba's most effective when it's like, hey, here's the ball, go get us some buckets and just play for 30, 35 minutes. Can he do that in a 15, 20 minute role pro? It's a good question, Bogues. And, and you don't know what kind of player he's going to be going forward. Like, you, is he healthy enough to do this on a regular basis? Not this type of numbers, like you said, his volume is going to be down. But, I mean, I think you, you have to find a way to get him 25 minutes a night if he's healthy enough to do that. Like, you know, off the bench, you just find it with your minutes. Like last night, right, you know, Kemba plays 42 minutes. And... You know, Tim Hardaway plays 44 minutes and Frank, you know, uh, Nilakina plays 22 minutes. Like, there's definitely minutes for him to play, I think. And I think you can get him. I, I think, like, when guys are coming off the bench, Bogues, with, with like him or Westbrook, you find a way to get those guys, like, almost starter minutes coming off the bench. Um, I think that he needs volume for sure. He's not really that type of guy that can get eight shots and, you know, and and do that. I think you're going to have to get him double-digit shots and find a way for him, you know, coming off the bench. And I don't know, Bogues. I don't know. Like, he's been he's so used to it. I never want to say never because when you're doing this league, you get your ass, you know, you get your ass bitten because of the fact that people end up just changing their mentality for at least a season. We've seen that with Westbrook. Um, I think he can, Bogues. I just think you got to give him, you can't give him like that 12 to 15 minute. You got to up his minutes if he's healthy enough, you know, to that 20, 22, 23 minutes off the bench, you know. What do you think, Bogues? You think he's got the DNA to, you know, to, to do that in lower minutes or do, what, what do you think? I don't know. I think I feel like he's a volume guy. Uh, can he come in, contribute for 15 minutes a la, you know, maybe plays that Jordan Clarkson role? He'll need 25 to 30. I don't think those minutes are there because when Luke is on the floor, it's gone through him. Then you put in Kemba in, in the corner and, 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 and you know, it basically comes a, a glorified catch and shoot guy with Luca in the lineup, right? So, but I guess they did it with Brunson. Can they make him into a poor man's Brunson, maybe? Mm, yet to be seen. But I think, I think Kemba, a 10 to 15 minute role, he can shoot you in and out of games. Um, I don't think it's going to be a steady influence, and I think coaches off the bench like a steady influence. But unless Jay Kidd goes to him and says, "Hey, we're, we're, when we roll you out there, get him up," you know, um, especially when Luke is out of the game. So I think he needs. I think he needs twenty plus to be completely effective. But I'll be I'll be watching closely to see how he goes because you know if, if he can be effective for then at ten or fifteen minutes a game off the bench, it gives them a nice little scoring punch that they can then carry on some form. They can tweak that starting lineup again because they've been searching and, and they've been playing better probably the last two weeks. I think they've they've gotten to a position where they're they're starting to you know they're five and five, but it's, it's looking a little bit better. Some close games. Um, you know, a couple of weeks before that, they were they were really struggling. So they're still trying to Jake kids shuffling those lineups up. You know, Hardaway's been off off the bench now. Now he start he was starting. Then Dinwiddie was off the bench and he was starting. Then all three of them with Luca are starting. So you know, now Christian Wood's starting at the five. I mean, they're they're doing they're changing their lineups up and they're you know they're desperate to try and figure things out. But um, yeah, interested to see how Kemba goes. But you know, it's just a great story to 
considering he was out of the league and kind of forgotten about and he's grinded back. So message to everyone out there that it's, it's not over till it's over. Fan interaction has been a hot topic again uh, this this past couple of weeks, uh, Pro. And first one was Dream on Green. He, he gets a fan kicked out of the game. Where was that? Was that in uh, – I don't know where that was. Um, that wherever it was, it was on the road. Uh, Milwaukee. Was it uh, Milwaukee? It was Milwaukee. Milwaukee, correct. Yes, it was Milwaukee. Um, gets a fan kicked out. He told the referee the fan threatened his life. The fan then, or made or made threats against him. Uh, the fan then said he made a joke about the Jordan Poole punch. <laughs> that's all he. That's all he did. Um, when will this end? I mean, it's a dan- it's a dangerous territory. And I know Draymond, Draymond very well. Uh, very fiery guy. Likes to go back and forth. I can only give my examples. I've I've had interactions with fans. Um, I think there's a lot of players can easily just lie about what was said. Like if, if someone – I've been seen numerous times. I've had bad games and, and, and people have called me all kinds of, you know, different things and go back to Australia and you're a kangaroo and this and that. And, and you know, especially when you're playing bad at times, you hear it and you're like, oh, man, they got me good. That's a zinger, right? It's a good call, by the, but, you know, I'm pissed off. I want to punch him in the face, but what can you do, Right. It seems like now when players get zinged, they're like, I'm just going to make something up and get him kicked out. And they've got the power to do that. Um, it's a very slippery slope. I, I don't think we want to condone that. I think I'm siding with the fans a little bit here where I don't think it's fair. You pay your ticket. Yes, you get that, that that you know, with the guidelines on the back of your ticket and they give you that red card as your final warning. But how do you, you know, we know, we've, you and I have been around NBA players. I mean, do all of them tell the honest truth every day of the week? <laughs> like, come on. They lie just like anyone else. Uh, you're now taking the word always. It's just like, yep, player player said you said this, you're gone. It's like the, the fan has no chance to be like, hang on a second, I didn't say that. What you know, uh, It's only a matter of time to one of these fans as well takes it to court and sues. And, I, you know, rightfully so. Like, imagine you're, you know, you get accused of saying something sexist or racist by a player that gets leaked, which has happened before. You you know, you're in the media, your face is in the media, and then you come to find out a week later that it was false. I mean, it's only a matter of time, Pro, but I don't know what, what you think of it. Uh, there was another one with um, Ja Morant, but that was a different one, I believe. They, 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 the referees in the last minute report said they kicked him out because Ja Morant was talking to the fan saying the refs were cheating. He's <laughs> having one of those discussions about like, yeah, man, these dudes cheating, man, oh, you know, blah, 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 blah. And they kicked him out because of that. They said it was nothing to do with the interaction about the fans going back and forth. It was what he said about the referees. But what are your thoughts on this, Pro? Is, is this is this going too far? Well, Bogues, I, I think giving a player that much power to be able to just kick random people out just for going back and forth at them is very – it's a dangerous thing. Because I don't believe many players, especially when, you know, if they're losing or whatever, they could just sort of pick people out, you know, if they're having off nights or even on nights, whatever, just to have that power to do that. Um, also, I, I do think that fans take it to another level as far as trying to get involved and trying to go at it with the player. They, you know, it's either they think they, you know, they're entitled because they paid all that much, that money for the ticket or they just want to get on social media and, and go viral with the video of them going at it with a player and saying anything. But what's what's too much, pro? What's too much is my point. Like if, if you if they're throwing out jibes about like the Draymond punch, for instance, and Jordan Poole, like, oh, you beat up your teammate, is is that okay? Or are you talking like where's the line? Like that that's that's the problem. If it's not swearing or 
you know, you're not engaging in any sexism, racism, all that kind of stuff. Obviously, we throw that out uh, where it should be. But where do you draw the line then? Do, you know, is it just strictly cheering for fans? Because you know, you're overseas and playing some of these places, and it's it's a hundredfold of that. You know. Yeah, and you know, look, and, and the game's going so fast. Like, how do you have enough time? How do you have enough time to like as a referee? Because obviously you didn't hear the guy for the most part. Nine times out of ten, they never hear it. The player does. So the player comes to him and does and tells them about whatever, right? So you can't stop the game for that long and sort of you know do a trial here because the you know and who knows what the fan says. A lot of times it's not that bad, but you know they take the player's word for it. And now you're gonna have this cry wolf situation where like. All right, so it you know Draymond says that he got threatened, his wife got threatened, blah blah blah, and now like every time a a play a, a fan says a little bit of something as a ref, you're gonna overreact and, and and have to rule on it during the game, and it's just like there's no universal rule that you could have. Like what what is it? You don't swear at a player, you don't engage in a player, you don't like what? How is this gonna you know? How is this gonna work going forward? You know, and if you're if you're a fan and you're getting thrown out and you're getting tossed, especially if you're paying fifteen hundred or two thousand or three, four, five thousand for a court size, and you know somebody has a bad night and LeBron or somebody has you thrown out, and I don't do anything, shit, I'd sue the fuck out of the team. You know, I'd sue the fuck out of somebody. You know, look, like you don't know, but a lot of times these fans just take it another level, so you don't know. But like, it's just the thing you don't know, and there's no way to police it. Do you say no swearing? Do you say don't interact at all? Like I don't know what the what the what the answer is, but it's a lot of power to give a player just to throw out throw you know throw things out you know throw people out. Like in some cases that there's some things thrown or somebody goes like really hard no, hardcore at a player and they should get thrown out. But then like then there isn't, and then it's just playful. And what's playful versus not? And you know, some players can take it, and some players are way oversensitive. So, I think there's almost zero, you know, things that you can do for it, unless you just say, "Don't," you know, you interact with a player, and you start going back and forth with the player, you're out. But like, those guys pay five thousand, four thousand, two thousand for a courtside seat. What are you going to tell them? You can't go. You can't interact with players. Like. And that's part of what the league wants anyway. Like they want a friendly banter going back and forth and, you know, involvement with, you know, involvement with certain people and all that. I don't know, man. I can't, I can't give you a, a, I can't give you a total answer. I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. Anyway, I mean, it's, are you going to stop booing as well? Are you going to stop clappers? Are you going to stop people waving while they're shooting free throws? I mean, it's, I just don't like the fact that I get it. Look, when it, when it gets really heated, um, we think, you know, shit's going to go down a la the uh, Malice in the Palace back in the day. Um, I get trying to de-escalate those situations, whereas if it's, if it's clearly heated and you can see a player and a fan going at it, they're about to go face-to-face and there's some crazy stuff said, all right, you defuse the situation, you move the, you throw the fan out or you move them somewhere else, totally get it, right? Because you can't, you can't throw the player out, right? But where it's just like a bit of back and forth, and like you said, the referee's got so much shit to think about half the time trying to just officiate the game correctly with all the all the shenanigans going on within an NBA game. It's just it just it doesn't sit well with me that you can just be like, hey, that guy said this or that that lady said this, get him out. And the referee's like, okay, yep, see, you. hey, security, get him out. It's like, well, 
you know, and there's been numerous cases of that. Look, there's been cases where the player's correct, but there's been a lot of cases where even people around the fan that got kicked out are like, no, they didn't say that. What do you? And then it's too late. And anyway, in this case, Milwaukee's given that fan free tickets to the next game or two and an apology because I guess everyone around the fan corroborated what he said, that he, he didn't he didn't make any threats. He just made a pun about the Jordan Poole thing and it stung stung Draymond, I guess. And um, yeah, it's, it's just a slippery slope. I don't like it. And I played in an era where I went back at fans numerous times. I went back and forth with, with fans in the NBA, the NBL, but I never went to the referee no matter what they said. At, at times, you know what, thinking back, pro, there were some people that said some things to me early, early on in my career, especially that I could have got thrown out today quite easily. But I just ne- never, never crossed my mind because I was like, you know, they made a, they made a pun. I went back at them just as hard and went back and forth and it was pretty bad at times. It was swearing back and forth and then I got on with the game and I never thought I'm going to go tell the referee. So just just a different different era and I think it's a slippery slope for the NBA. They need to fix that. Mark Cuban voices complaint to the NBA about Giannis's free throws. So your local resident there in Dallas has, has formally complained to the NBA that uh, it's, he's counted 12 seconds numerous times. That's popping up again with Giannis. So they're, they're messing with the two-time MVP pro. They are, <laughs> there are times where he, he he does get over the over the 10 seconds and I guess Cuban was frustrated because they didn't call it in a one-point game late in the fourth quarter, which they should have by the rule. Uh, I'm not sure your thoughts on that, but it's, it's been an issue for the last three or four years. I don't understand why they don't just have um, they don't have like a light on the on the backboard where like an official scorer just starts to count and they take it out of the referee's hands. I just don't understand why you just don't do that. It's just it'll make it so much. Well, it's easier. the only guy that does it really, pro. So it essentially, it'd be a light for one guy. I, I don't know anyone else in the NBA that has a routine that goes for no, ten. That's a good point. You know, it's a it's a good point, but I mean, I don't know. I I mean, when you're like it's it's sort of like the eight second count in the backcourt. Like if you're just leaving it up to somebody to count versus somebody you know, versus a machine or a computer to do it, um, that's what you're going to have some human error. But it happens a lot. You know, I think just refs just just say, "Hey, just get it off." Like they they don't want to bust the players' balls by doing it. But I mean, the guy's shooting sixty two percent from the line. It ain't like it's fucking helping too much either. So. But you know, I'm saying, <laughs> I don't. They could use a shot clock, actually, pro. They could use a shot clock, couldn't they? Technically, they don't need another light. Just put the shot clock at ten and just count it down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But you you got to reset it anyway. But it's who complain? Bogues. It's just you know, like I, I. Hey, look, it's it's rules are there for a reason. Like if it's ten, and it obviously that count goes. You know, we see it in the playoffs. We've seen it like it goes higher than 10 mm. and it doesn't get called. Very rarely as I, I, have I ever seen that called against him. But what are you going to do, man? I, I, I don't I don't understand it for the total, you know. I don't know why Cuban's so fussed about it because the Eastern Conference team, if they were in the West, maybe a bit more shenanigans there and a bit more kind of chess for meeting them in the playoffs. But you're only going to play them twice in the season. And I don't think Dallas and Milwaukee are going to end up in the championship together if I, if I had to bet today. No, so, but you know how competitive um, Cuban is. I mean, Mark's fucking, you know, he's, he's – Cuban a little bit, yeah. yeah. He, you know, he hates losing to anybody. So um, I could see him being upset about it. But look, like he's he he's big on the rules, like as far as like game rules and things like that. And he, he's read up on them. And, you know, if, if, if it did cost him a game, I could see him why he got upset or whatever. But – yeah, they should just definitely do something. They, like I said, I think they should just do it where like there's a little light that goes off. And I know he's the only guy, whatever. But like at least they have it. 
Well, now just take it out of the referee's hand. So this way, like, you know, this way that they just don't let it slide or somebody doesn't make a mistake. It just goes, you know, it goes into that. But Just put the shot clock at 10, pro. We don't need a light. We don't need extra fucking light. Put the shot clock at 10. As soon as they hand him that ball, it starts counting down. So you can actually see it. Do it in the NBL first, folks, and then it'll bring it to the NBA. Then you could take Because we don't have anyone taking – we don't have anyone t- taking 12 seconds. Although we have we, – we shoot a lot of free throws in some games, which I'll get to later, but we don't have – we don't have guys taking 12 seconds, but uh, I don't even know. Like, I don't, I don't think refs even really count for the most part. Um, like, if I, if you were to do it the first time in an NBA game, they wouldn't count until they would, thought someone was going to actually go over because no one does it. Everyone shoots the max dribbles you see are, you know, three slower dribbles or five quick dribbles and it's up. Like, so interesting one. All right, Qatar Investment Authority is looking to, looking to purchase the Suns for $3 billion, so we don't have to get into that too much, but uh, – That'll be interesting to see if there's any protests in Phoenix because we know um, the Qatar World Cup didn't go down too well with a lot of uh, a lot of people politically. So they're looking to buy the, the Phoenix Suns for three billion. So interesting to see there. Did you see the Tyrell Terry retirement pro? I did. Uh, interesting one. 2020 num- number number th- uh, 31st pick of the NBA draft. Retired from b-ball, he basically said the game began to destroy me, quote-unquote. I experienced the darkest times of my life to the point where instead of building me up, it began to destroy me. I can't continue to fight any longer for something I have fallen out of love with, pro. So I respect the fact that he's said adios because there's a lot of players that probably are in a similar situation but just hang on for dear life for that check. But I think this might be a decision that he comes to regret in five or ten years, pro. Yeah, I mean, folks, this this sport isn't for everybody. And if you're if you like a LeBron or you like a Luca, you like a Giannis, right? You know, you, you become a great player within twelve to eighteen months. It just balls balls handed to you, and that's it. Like you know, and and everything's not easy for you because you got to carry it. But like, it's smooth sailing for the most part. Like you're gonna be the guy, you know, and and it's. You know, you don't really have to struggle for much anymore. Once the once you get to that status, it's really hard to knock you off. For most players in the league, especially ones that get drafted in certain spots and they have to they have to bring it every day just to like make the active roster. You know, they've been a great player in high school, in college, they've always been the go-to guy. And now they come to the NBA where now you just have to like you have to play like Michael Jordan just to get on the active roster. And then from there, you better hope you you know you pray you don't get hurt. Then you gotta continue to work and you gotta continue to contribute and you gotta contribute to claw out and and then make it long enough where you actually get a chance to be in the rotation and then continuous rotation. You know, there's a lot of people killing you on social media. There's a lot of fans, as we just talked about, on you. Everybody's on you. Then, like, those things are a lot tougher to sort of deal with. And I think that people don't understand how hard it is to succeed in the NBA, stay in the NBA, not even talk about being a rotation player or an all-star level player. I'm just talking about making it. And I think that, um, you know, he was a little bit of a flawed player, and I just think that these these trials and tribulations are just really tough for him to deal with mentally, where like, you know, he wasn't seeing the results and then probably had some, you know, skeletons in his closet and then some mental stuff on top of it. But I think it's really hard. You know this, Bogues, like, 
and and you played with plenty of players that had a great you know great careers you know pre NBA, and then just couldn't deal and cope with how hard it is just to get to the starting you know the starting gate in the NBA. Forget about being really good in the NBA. Uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, do you think any of that makes sense or? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's 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 basketball is only a small part of playing the NBA, right? Like it's there's a lot, man. Like if you've got a family, you're not seeing them much. If you've got kids, you're not seeing them much. You're on a plane every other day. Look, very well treated, yes. You know, chartered planes, five star hotels, but it's it's a it can be a, a bad cycle if you're not enjoying it or, or at least trying to have the mental kind of stability to, to be steady with it, right? The ups and the downs. It might be, you know, he doesn't play for six straight games and he gets thrown in and makes a mistake. And as I go, I'm not going to play another six, six more games. I'm doing all my work individually on the training court. I'm putting in time and effort. I'm playing well at practice. Why aren't I playing? Or might not have a good relationship with a coach. Might not have a good relationship with a star player. Might not have a, might not be liked in the locker room because you're different. You know, it might not be that you're a bad person, but you just might be different. You might dress different. You might like different different things. You go to different shows. You like different music, whatever it is. You're from a different country. You don't speak the language. These are all things you got to, as a professional sportsman, that you have to take in stride. It's just, it's just kind of, it's seen upon as by most people as, oh, it's easy. Just do it. Suck it up, you know, but some people can't do it. I've seen many that just struggled with it. I struggled with it at times, like um, early on in my career, just trying to find my place of, and then I just, at one point I just like, I'm just going to be myself. Um, I was okay with, I was okay with my own skin pretty early on. And I figured that out early on. But if you go in trying to fit in and do what, you know, I need to do this to fit in, you know, it's, it's constantly a guessing game. And I think basketball is a small, percentage of probably what he's gone through in my opinion I think it's everything else and it's not just basketball and obviously if he's on the court playing 30 minutes I don't think this comes up as much so I think basketball does help but I think it's everything else man and there's there's so much you have to take in and then you go along with you know friend, new friends pop up and then you got family members asking you for this, that, and this because you, you, you're deemed rich and you're in the NBA and then you've got you know and, and these are all things that you're 19, 20 coming out of college or high school or overseas that no one can prepare you for. I don't care how how smart you are. Like like Pro said, LeBron, Luca, these people different. They've got a team around them. They can afford to have a personal assistant, an agent to an agent, their uncle or cousins, their PA, you know their, their their PR person or their PA person, or doing their errand. You know they've got a chef in the house. That's a different story, different level. When you're when you're mid to lower level. There's a lot more stresses. So, um, I mean, I wish him all the best. I, I just, you know, I hope he hasn't taken, making a rash decision because of the moment he's in right now rather than trying to at least maybe take a break for a month. Don't just tear the contract up and walk away. I think that's a big, big, maybe an overreaction. Give it a month or two and take time. They, they've got all this, NBA talks about all this mental health shit all the time. I'm sure they'd be okay if he took a month off, paid leave to get his mental health right and then see how he comes back. Um, but... I don't think there's an answer to it. I think it's it's sad to see and sad to read. Um, you wish him all the best, and I just hope you know he, he finds finds a purpose that's not basketball, like he said. So that was an interesting one that, that came up this week. More trophy shenanigans though this week, pro. They've renamed all the trophies. Uh, NBA loves loves trophy talk. So the MVP is being renamed to the Michael Jordan Trophy. Fair enough, right? On that one. Yep, Hakeem Olajuwon uh, tro- trophy is the Defensive Player of the Year trophy. Okay with that one? Why not, folks? 
Yeah, why not? Okay. Def- no, de- no, definitely. Olajuwon, Olajuwon was one of the best defensive centers ever to play, and you know, one of the best two-way centers ever to play. You know, dominating on both mm-hmm. sides of the ball, and um, I'm, I'm guess I'm okay with it. Look, Jordan was a great defender. Pippen was a great defender. Bill Russell was a great defender. But um, yeah, the Akeem Olajuwon, why not? You know, makes sense. All right, uh, this one I don't really understand. The Rookie of the Year is the Wilt Chamberlain Trophy. Did he just get a he just got a trophy cause? Why why the Rookie of the Year? I have no idea. Because he, he was, I mean, I don't know what his rookie <laughs> year was like. I mean, he's one of the best players. Ever That's played. why I was like, why? Yeah. yeah, why? Why the rookie of the year? Because they're like, holy shit, we can't give me the other ones. We'll give you the rookie one anyway. John Havlicek, sixth man of the year. He was a pretty good sixth man, I guess, wasn't he? I don't think Havlicek was a fucking sixth man. I thought he was a Hall of Famer, like a a big timer. But maybe he came was. off the bench for a bit, didn't he? Yeah, they should they should make it like the Russell Westbrook sixth man of the year or something like that. Let's 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 do it up. You know, I don't think there was enough tomfoolery in these awards. Like I would have given the, you know, the Luka Doncic, you know, referee appreciation award. Um, I would give the Draymond Green. Havlicek was was a six man yet. Without further ado, though, oh, was he's, he? he's according to Google, according to Google, no, the ten greatest six men in NBA. I wasn't alive during it. I didn't follow his career like that. I knew he was a great player, one of the best Celtics of all time. I had no idea he was sort of a six man type guy. I know Kevin McHale was six man. About half his career, he was six man, you know, and then he, he you know, he hit the eight time NBA champ, 13 time NBA All Star, um, 11 time All NBA, eight time All Defensive Team. So pretty good for a six man. Jeez. Might want to start that guy, I reckon. Um, that's that's trophy. And then the George Mikan, he gets the, the, uh, the most improved player. Yeah, so now he has a, a trophy and a drill named after him, pro, George Mikan, the Mikan drill. Um, but, but uh, Evan Evan Turner got a little bit of backlash this week, pro, because he named he said if there's ever another NBA bubble, it should be called the LeBron James Trophy. <laughs> and he, he, he cops some shit for he cops some shit for that. Who he cops some because I didn't even from, hear about this. Who gave me shit? Oh, just online, all the LeBron people, all, all pro LeBron people were just killing him, like putting up clips of LeBron, like he, LeBron blocking him for a dunk, and like because. You know, obviously the Lakers did very well in their championship, the bubble championship. A lot of people say it's not a real chip, but to me it's a chip because it's NBA season. But he, um, it's a pretty. I thought it was a pretty clever quip, but uh, he cops some shit for that one. Some gold, some absolute hilariousness by the Miami Heat pro. I don't know if you saw this during the week, but they were fined. Tw- <laughs> this is a, this is awesome. They were fined twenty five thousand dollars for violating the NBA's injury reporting rules. So Miami had several players listed as questionable or probable for Wednesday's game against Oklahoma. A handful of those players sat out, but others who played never had their status updated to available prior to the game. So for context, people, when you have people on an injured injured list that are there's there's all these there's four of them, isn't there? There's out, probable, unlikely. What's the other one, pro? Probable, unlikely. Questionable, yeah. There's like four different ones, and it's like 25% chance, 50% chance, 75, 100, and zero, right? Um, and then I think you can announce in the morning of, like, oh, you know, Mike Procopio is probable for tonight. And then I think two hours, it's two hours before tip, right? You have to, you have to declare, yeah, what they're doing. Like, you have to say the scorekeeper literally comes in our locker room when you see him, like, where's your coach at? Um, That's he's a sheik. Can you let us know if That's this is correct? Lineup. I think the um, the injury report has to be in, but I think the starting lineup, that's when that little geeky guy comes in and asks for your, you know, <laughs> I always thought, I always thought it was fucking hilarious. 
because Carlisle is like, like always getting ready or whatever, and this guy comes in, and I'm like, oh fuck, you know, like you never knew if he was gonna explode or he never really exploded on guys like that, but like. I'm like, oh, this poor bass is going to fucking, you know, ask about lineup. But then you get a lot of coaches that, like, hold the lineup until the last possible second. It, you know, you get a lot of, like, you get a lot of shit like that going on, too. But anyway, yeah, so the the uh, two hours before, you got to give in who's who's active for that game. Um, so they find the Miami Heat for $25,000. So in response, the Miami Heat listed every player on their active roster on the injury report prior to their game against the Spurs on Saturday. Uh, this matchup is taking place in Mexico City as part of the international series. Um, so only Jamal Kane, G League assignment, and Gabe Vincent and Omar Yurtsevin injured are listed as out. The remaining 13 players are listed as questionable or probable to play in the game. I love it. That's fantastic. Just take the absolute piss out of it. Like, all right, cool. You want everyone, you want us to write everyone down there? They wrote down their whole whole team pro. So and you know, you wouldn't usually see that kind of comedy coming out of the Miami Heat. They're usually yeah. pretty military-like. Who says, who says uh, so I was yeah, f- fantastic. Love it. Love it, Miami Heat. Love that kind of stuff. Um, I love when when people go a little passive-aggressive with their trolling. I'm a big fan of that. Australians of the Week, pro. Joe Ingles, supposedly returning tomorrow. So that's that's the rumor according to, to Woj and all the big media people out there. He didn't let us know, so thanks for that, Joe. But he's uh, apparently back, which will put him at 10 months from his injury, pro. Pretty quick for an ACL. It's amazing how far... You know, surgeries and technology have gone these days to to get guys back from from an ACL because it was twelve plus months. Um, you know, eighties, nineties, two thousands. They've done a great job with that. So he'll be back soon. Josh Green's been out the whole week with an elbow injury. Hopefully, he, get, he gets well. Uh, Delhi, one game for nine minutes and one assist, so not much there. Only only played in one game this week. Jock Landale again has been in the lineup and been pretty productive off the bench. He had his first double-double of the season pro with 15 and 10 against the uh, the Clippers, um, second of his career, and he averaged seven points, five rebounds, and a block for the week, which is pretty good coming off the bench for a big fella, so good on him, and he's, he's starting to solidify that, that bench role again. Paddy Mills, DNP, no games, and actually no suit-ups, I've noticed, so he's not even dressing at the moment for Brooklyn, which is interesting. Dyson Daniels, six points, 3.3 rebounds, 1.6 assists, nothing too flashy, just a solid... Um, contributor for them, nothing nothing too flashy on a stat sheet, but, but shows glimpses. Matisse Thibel, probably his best game of the season. He had 15, no, he had, uh, what did he have, uh, 15 one night, um, but averaged nine points and two rebounds per game. Probably was three for four from three versus the Sacramento Kings. So he must have heard our podcast and got him up for you. Shot it at 75%, so let's hope he continues that that shooting streak, but uh, he's found starting to find a little bit more minutes as well. Jack White, pro, uh, you know, he's not playing for the Denver Nuggets at the moment, but his G League numbers are fantastic. Uh, he's putting up 18 points, 10 rebounds, and 2.3 assists with a 48% clip from three, pro. He's shooting a fair bit of them at 48%, which is very, very impressive because in the NBL, his three, his three wasn't where it is today. Uh, he was very inconsistent with it at times. Teams would play off him and muck him and dare him to shoot him. So really, really good growth there from Jack White. And um, 18 and 10 with two assists in the G League is nothing to, nothing to sniff at. So um, good on him. Ben Simmons, eight points, 7.6 rebounds and six assists a game for the week. And Josh Giddy wins it again this week, pro. Surprise, surprise. Um, 
He's going to win our title, I think. This is going to be his third Australian of the Week award. He's at 14.6, 9.6, 6 points, 9.6 rebounds, and 4.2 assists per game. Five for nine from three this week, pro. So he probably his best week shooting the three ball besides the preseason. And this will be his third Australian of the Week trophy. So he's, he's in the box seat. Ben Simmons has one since we started it, and that's it. So we need someone else to step up and give us some good numbers, pro. Any thoughts with that list? Yeah, I'll add one to it. Dante Exum from playing for Partizan this year. I'll give you some numbers, Bogues. How about uh, how about shooting fifty six from the three, sixty seven from the two, and ninety six from the line? All right, coming from the Jeez. coming from left field. I'm coming from uh, with Australian numbers now, Bogues. Dante Exum. They, Serbian numbers. Yeah, talk about he's the Kemba Walker of fucking EuroLeague that they thought he was out of basketball, and this fucking guy's putting up video game numbers, folks. Good for him. But run the go through those again. Yeah. What are those clips? So they don't have field goal percentage for some reason, but they got two point his two point percentage. His two point percentage is at sixty eight. His three point percentage is at fifty six. Fourteen out of twenty five, and he's shooting ninety six percent from the line. 26 out of 27. So Smoking. Yeah. Coming to an NBA team near you at some point. Hopefully as an NBA yeah, he's, he'll, be, he'll be back in the NBA. I mean, uh, he, he needed this, I think, to, to get his confidence up. He had a bad injury run in Utah. He was kind of – couldn't really solidify a spot in the NBA. Um, but, I mean, Utah paid him. I think he got four years 48, I think, or, or four years 40, somewhere yeah, on those lines. So they saw this They they saw this potential in him. He couldn't stay healthy and get on the floor for him as much. And um, his three ball probably wasn't where it needed to be with having Mitchell as the primary playmaker and then moving Dante to, you know, the two or the three at times. So they would definitely welcome him back right now. Um, and that, those are amazing clips to see if he can sustain it in in, in one of the toughest places to play in Europe, oh, bro. Uh, they they are. Yeah. One of the one of the most unforgiving places you can play uh, when you're when you're losing, but when you're winning, you own that city. He will not be paying for a meal, a coffee, or anything in that city. So that's a good one. I totally missed that one, and yeah, hopefully we'll see. I think we will see Dante back, and he'll be a formidable part of the national team. And I think he's got a really good chance of of getting back on that team again. All right, Dabble is betting meets social media. On Dabble, you can follow your friends, mates, stalk all the experts and trending tipsters. Scroll through trending bets, copy them all in one tap. Get alerts when your mates and expert tipsters place bets. And most importantly, you can follow me, Andrew Bogart, all in one word. I do dabble in some NBA multis from time to time that you can copy. Um, so go on, download the app at the, at the app store, dabble all one word, dabble socially and gamble responsibly. All right, the NBL Pro, the New Zealand Breakers, they get they get first place back without playing a game this week, bro. Their game got cancelled versus the Perth Wildcats due to COVID. Yes, COVID's still rampant here in New Zealand and Australia, apparently. Um, I have an issue with this, bro. Uh, you can – the COVID shenanigans can be a slippery slope. And what I mean by that is – if you have a few injuries, um, you know, your, your star players out and you've got an important game coming up, I mean, can you can you just say half your team's got COVID? From what I understand is your team doctor just needs to sign off that they have COVID. So um, I don't love this. I know New Zealand's, New Zealand's very strict on all this COVID stuff right now. And I'm not saying New Zealand did this by any means, but I'm saying there is a chance for people to manipulate this rule in the future. Let's say there's two games left in the season. Right. And you have a make or break game against Team X, 
and that game will solidify you a playoff spot and three guys go down with a rolled ankle at practice and they are three main guys. Oh, got COVID. Sorry, let's delay this game a week. Um, and New Zealand in this instant, they had, they had COVID and they've got injuries, so they, they couldn't field enough players. But I don't, I don't know. I'm cognizant. I'm not saying teams are going to do it, but we've seen stranger things and, and, and teams sometimes will toe the line to try and win and get an extra week's rest and all that kind of stuff. So don't love it, but they, they didn't play this week. Um, the Kings lost. They, they went one on one. Actually, they lost one, one, one beat Illawarra, which wasn't too convincing. And they, and they lost to um, the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix down in Gippsland, Victoria in country Victoria. They had a game out there as part of the, the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix's, home games away from home get a bit more funding from the Victorian government there but this game went a double OT pro we had 240 balls uh, Mitch Creek with I think 46 and Walton Jr. Um, from the Kings had he was in the 40s as well everyone was well, the commentators were raving how good this game was I beg to differ um, not just because the Kings lost I would have said this regardless of the result and it was a one point win for the, for the Phoenix in double overtime pro there were 65 fouls called in this game um, yes, it did go double overtime, but that's that's about the equivalent of an NBA game with double overtime in FIBA. It's 50 minutes, so 48 minutes in the NBA. It ended up being 50 minutes in FIBA, so two five-minute periods of overtime and 40 minutes of regulation. 79 free throw shot pro. 79 free throw shot. Um, it just was not an enjoyable game for me to watch. I don't think it's a great product for the NBA to have on a weekly basis. I don't think it's going to be, but this is one of those games that's, that's come up that was just – that was horrendous. And now there'll be people out there that say, well, there were fouls. If you want to call a foul every possession of an NBA or an NBL game, you can, right? It's There's holding and grabbing off the ball. The referees need to have a feel for, did this foul affect the play? And what I mean by that, for people that are wondering, if I shoot the ball uh, from one side of the three-point line, one wing, I shoot it, it bounces, and it, it's bouncing towards the clear other wing. And on that side, I shot it. There's two guys wrestling for a rebound, and a foul gets called. That's my point of a pointless foul. It had no effect of where the ball's going. Those two guys never could have got the ball. And by the letter of the law, is it a foul? Yes. But we need a feel for... It did not affect the play. It doesn't. I don't need to blow my whistle because I've got it in my hand. And this was just a hard game to watch. Seventy-nine free throws equates to a f- two free throw shot every minute of the game for the whole game in a forty-minute game, right? So it's it, it just it's just really really painful. There was a lot of flopping going on from both teams. I'm not going to just point out one team, but there were, there were some flop calls from both teams. And the, and the when the player flopped, they got the call on both sides. So. Do you blame the player? Do you say, okay, like, stop flopping? But the referee's giving me the call. Um, so I think we're back to where the NBL was a couple of years ago where they brought in, where FIBA brought in the flop rule where you're like, you know what, we're, we're pinging you. If you flop, we're going to give you a warning and then a technical foul. They need to hand those out very early in games. Um, no benefit of the doubt for flopping. And, and, and then there was, you know, there were some players out there that were diving all over the floor and, and some younger guys that got on for Southeast Melbourne um, and I don't blame the player. Let me be clear, but there was a lot of a lot of diving going on. And it just was not was not a game that I think you want to sell to advertisers and to people out there. But in saying that, there were two players that were absolutely balling: Mitch Creek and and, and Walton Junior. So you got to give it that. But uh, just a a game that you probably would have fallen asleep at, pro, and probably would have finished four cartons of popcorn at. But uh, 
not 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 a game not a game you want to be at live, bro. I'm, I'm not sure if you've ever seen a game with with eighty fouls called. Oh fuck! No, thankfully no, thankfully no. Mm. That, that, so not, that would not be fun. Not a fun game. The game for context went for two and a half hours on TV runtime. It did go to double overtime, but a fifty minute game should not go for two and a half hours. Period, and that was because. There was a whistle uh, every other every other thirty seconds. Cairns had a great weekend. They go two and zero. They beat the Bullets not too convincingly, but got over the line. And then they beat Tasmania in Tasmania. Few big signings. Uh, Ian Clark has signed with the Adelaide Thirty Sixes Pro. Um, they still haven't announced it for some reason, but I've got word from. I mean, the, the word came from the man himself. Um, so, very very big pickup for the Adelaide Thirty Sixes. Uh, this could really put them into that upper echelon of the NBL. It is the middle of the season, um, but he will provide just championship grit. He's a winner. He can get you tough buckets, which is exactly what they need. So looking forward to seeing how that goes. It does hurt a little bit because we we obviously wanted to bring him back pro uh, in the offseason, the Sydney Kings, but he wanted to, you know, he wanted to have a shot at get back in the NBA. He went to some training camps, floated around there a little bit, and then he's been out of work since then, but we had to obviously establish our roster and we did. Um, so we wish him all the best. We hate to see him in a rival club, but uh, see how that goes. And, and Joe Chi Pro, the uh, Chinese superstar, has left the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix abruptly after this weekend. Um, played in that game yesterday that went to double overtime. He has an, there's an announcement around family. Um, whether you buy that or not is, is your prerogative, but uh, the writing was on the wall. He, he wasn't playing a lot of minutes. He's been hurt a little bit this season. Didn't look like he was put in a position to succeed there too much with his skill set. I mean, they've got, they got a seven-foot-three guy showing on pick-and-rolls at half court. Probably not the the most, you know, the best uh, use of his skills when he can protect the basket the way he does. But uh, he's out of there and he's gone back to China uh, for some family things. But um, I think reading between the lines, I don't think he was too happy with his second season in South Melbourne Pro. So he will pop up again in the, uh, in the Chinese league over there. That's an interesting one, Bogues. I mean – you know, he's an interesting player because he's really skinny, but he's, you know, tall, seven, like seven, two, seven, three, can shoot threes. Um, you know, had a cup of coffee. He's not shooting him here. No. He's not shooting him here. <laughs> no. I don't know if that was – was he shooting him in the NBA? I don't – I want to say that he was. I remember I had a meeting with him when I was in China uh, working at a Nike event, and they sort of sat me down with him because – they wanted to sort of model him a little bit like a Porzingis or a Dirk or something like that. Not that he was going to be that good, but like that type of a player, stretch big. And I'm almost positive he was shooting some threes in in, in Houston. I could be I could be wrong on that, but uh, obviously I didn't watch him. Yeah, in you know in Australia, but hasn't made one in the NBL. Um, zero point zero for zero point one is. This season and 0.0 to 0.2 his first season. So shot a fair bit more in the shot just under one. No, he shot three um, a night in China. Okay. He was uh, shooting 29%. So, yeah, you're, you're right. I think maybe just the confidence thing. I don't think they they allowed him to shoot him, to hoist him up here in, in Australia. And um, But, yeah, like very talented player. Just um, probably wrong place, wrong time in my opinion. I think, um, you know, probably going to a team that – you know, probably better utilize his skill set uh, over in China will be better for his game. All right, stats, useful or useless, Pro. ES- this is from ESPN. The Bucks' last two games, Pro, 
Thursday, 41-point loss to Memphis, and and a couple of nights later, a 26-point win versus the Jazz. That 67-point swing pro is tied for second largest over a two-game span in Bucks history. Useful or useless? Say that one more time, folks. So their last two games, yeah. they lost by 41 in Memphis, and then a couple of nights, their next game after that, they had a 26-point win. So it's a 67-point swing pro. It's their second largest over a two-game span in the Bucks history. Uh, I think it's useless. I, I think... The amount of teams that get blown the fuck out in the NBA, it, it it it's amazing to me. Like it doesn't matter if you're the number one seed, number you know twelve seed. Like teams are getting blown up by forty points at a alarming rate, in my opinion. Um, I I I have no data that sort of understands why this happens. So by them having that sixty point sort of gap. It's just, it doesn't, I don't even bat an eyelash at it anymore. I say it's useless to me. Oh, very useless. I mean, the fact that ESPN even put this stat up is just ridiculous. As useless useless as you can. And, and to your point, Pro, about why teams get blown out, well, it depends what city they're in. If the strip clubs are open late in some cities, yeah. that's your reason. If they're in Miami, the Sun, the South Beach, if you're in New York, generally going to be a blowout. Uh, LA, a lot of guys spend too much time in the Sun at times. So, that's usually your reason. It's it's not so much the on court pro as we know. It's it's a lot to do with off court in 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 regular season in the playoffs. Guys tighten up their routines a little bit, uh, but in the, in the regular season, yeah, a bit of an ouchie. But yeah, useless stat. ESPN lift your game. The next one I think was decent from ESPN. Uh, the Nuggets scored. This is the Annie Analytics game of the season. Pro. The Nuggets scored ninety eight points in the paint the other night against the Washington Wizards. And it was against the Washington Wizards who, you know, lost about to lose 10 straight. So no surprise there. How do you, how do you give up 98 Actually, points up with it? Up six with 10 and a half left. 10 and a half minutes. 10 seconds. No, 10, 10 and a half minutes. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, that's the most, the most in a game on record since 96-97. They made 49 shots in the paint, four from three and one from mid-range. That's – I'm going to say that's useful. That's – Something in in today's era, like 96, 97, fair enough. Like you had two lumbering big men, a three man that sometimes couldn't shoot threes that well. Today's age where you're hoisting up threes at all costs to only make four and make 49 in the paint. Fantastic. Useful, useful effort from the Nuggets, bro. What do you got? Yeah, I say it's useful. It's useful because look, as much as, you know, the NBA and the analytics part wants you to sort of forget about post-ups and forget about mid-range and forget about some of these things. I think that they're all important shots now. Should it go back to what it used to be where where teams would shoot like four four or three-point shots a game? No, I think it should. There should be like somewhere in the third, you know, high 20s, early 30s, mid-30s, you know, three-pointer shot. But the mid-range is not a dead shot. If you can make it on a consistent basis and you're not grinding out to get those and they're just shots that are open, I think you should attack it. If you have a post-up guy that could post up you know, on switches, why not do it? Like, why not post up? Just because everybody else is and there's a lack of – you know, there's a lack of like originality in the NBA anymore, and everybody's just doing the same thing. Um, I I just don't understand why like why teams just don't understand if hey we get these post up players, you know, let's use them once in a while. Let's post up a switch. Let's 
you know, it's run a post ISO once in a while. It doesn't have to be every possession like the 80s or anything, but I think it should be done more, and it's not done enough. And I think that that, that one game showed it that it's just a small little fraction, but I think if you regularly did it a little bit more, I think it could be effective for you. I think it's a useful step. Very useful. You don't see that very often. I think it's on steroids when you consider today's day and era of three-point shooting. All right, last one from me. SGA, Gilgis Alexander there in uh, OKC. When he scores 30-plus points in the last two seasons, Pro, you think they've got a winning record or a losing record? Losing record. You definitely yeah. set me up for this one, you asshole. <laughs> 12 and 27 when he scores over 30. That's not that's not good. But let's keep in mind the record's not too good. Probably when he's under thirty, but twelve and twenty seven when he's over thirty is not great. Pro, what do you, what do you got? Well, you know, folks, if they weren't so like bad, if they weren't tanking and trying to get draft picks and all that stuff, I would say it's a very useful stat as far as like you know if you're gonna run everything through him and where it, where it gets you, I would say it's useful. But I would say just because of the record. It's useless, in my opinion, because like the team just hasn't been very good. So I don't think they were going to win games either way or want to win games either way. So I would say it's useless. That's just me, though. Yeah, I would agree. I think OKC haven't been great. Um, It'd be interesting to see if they follow that up with what their record is when he's under because it wouldn't be that great neither, right? Um, They've they've just kind of cherry-picked it, but and they're not above a 500 team anyway, uh, period. So um, I think it's a bit harsh on SGA. But uh, if they were, you know, let's say a 500 team when he's scoring under 30, then, yeah, you'd be like, hang on a second. You're being a bit selfish trying to get your numbers, but um, I think I'd give him a pass. So I'd say useless on that one, bro. Fact or fake news? Folks, Trey Young having a not-so-good season this year. I mean, with all the things that are done, like with all the things that have been said by Atlanta, the whole fight with – you know, the whole fight with his coach and, and all of this. Uh, and he's shooting, like, awful numbers. 40% from the field, 28 from three, and now 89 from the line. He almost, you know, if he if he went down with the free throw shooting, he probably would have qualified for my award that I give every week. But would you – are you going to see – you will see Trey Young in trade talks within the next 12 months. Fact or fake news? Like they blamed everybody else but him up to this point. They've had his back, but they're not winning. He's not. He, he's having one of his worst seasons as a pro. Not that he's been in the league a long time, but it is one of his worst seasons. Team's not doing well. He's going to burn through another coach at some point. Do they find? Do they say within a year from today? Do would, are you going to hear him in trade in trade talks at all? Fact effective. You might, you might, you might, you might, you, you might hear him in trade talk, but I don't think they're going to trade him. I don't think they're going to explore it just because I think that comparison still with Steph is probably alluring to Atlanta. Um, honestly, I think they think, you know, don't forget Steph was on the block early in his career. Yeah. Um, now, Steph had major, I think he'll be the, he had major injury issues. Though. Injuries. Yeah. In yeah. The first couple of years. Yeah. So, yeah, which is a fair point. Um, yeah, I think I don't think they're moving him. I think they probably still see him as kind of a generational shooting talent. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not a fan. I mean, I, I haven't been a fan for a while. I think he's. I think he's a good player. I just don't think you're going to win with him. Uh, like long term, are you going to win with him now? And to your point, what is his third coach? Um, with him as a superstar, Max guy. You know, 
who are you bringing in? Who are you bringing in to save the day? Like your fourth one's not going to fix things. The first three have, and I thought Nate did a pretty good, has done a pretty good job, at least last season, considering where they were when they when they made the move. But yeah, man, I, I just I don't I don't think he will be because I think management will be scared of their ownership and management will be scared to pull the trigger about how, will we ever replace him? Does he go somewhere else and blow up to being a Steph Curry? I think that's going to be the determining factor. They're more scared of. Um, will he go somewhere else and blow up and then we are they going our face, right? Whereas I don't think they should think about that. I think, you know, maybe give another year or two and then I'll try to move him because if you haven't if you haven't scratched another conference final or or been in the mix, I think you need to go. Yeah. So fake news to to like, I don't I think he'll be there'll be discussions maybe by, you know, ESPN and whoa, there'll be like leaks, but I don't think Atlanta will seriously entertain a trade talk, you know, um bar something crazy happening like they can get they can get, you know, a Giannis or something like that, which would never happen, right? It's just absolutely crazy circumstance. But yeah, it's fake news. They're not going to trade him. Yeah, I would say fake news, but I think I think he's going to end up being dealt probably within 24 months from today. I think that they're just finally going to get they're going to they're finally going to get sick of it. If he doesn't really sort of change some things that he does, I could see them trying to just say, start over. Like, look, they're they're, they're trying to trade Collins. You know the teams aren't doing well. Like there's not really another superstar to sort of like hang their hat on. You know Capella's getting older. Um, I think it's something that they're going to eventually move on from um, at some point, but probably not this year. Probably you know probably another year from now. I would say that that's that's a possibility for sure. Both. So the Dallas Mavericks right now, another team struggling. You know they're up and down. They've got a lottery-protected top 10 pick they got in the Porzingis trade that they gave out to the Knicks. So if it's in the top 10, that they, um, that they, that, that they'll keep it. So it's for the top, um, top 10 pick that they're gonna, they'll keep it. If you were the GM, or if you were running the maps, w- would you have them tank? this year to get that top 10 pick to go at Luca to see maybe if you can get something in the lottery that you could put with them. So if you were running the maps, would you tank to get the top 10 pick or would you just play the season out and see what you get? Because, you know, free agency is a, you know, free agency is a shot in the dock. You have no idea what's going to happen in free agency. There's no, you know, big time talent that they could acquire through cap, you know, cap space. You know, you don't know what you're going to get times, sort of ticking a little bit with the whole Luca thing in the next few years, two to three years that they're going to need to sort of make a move with this. Um, would you tank to get a, a top 10 pick for this year, uh, for next for this draft coming up? Oh, f- fake news. You're not tanking with Luca Doncic on the roster, period. Um, I, I think that actually hurt, that actually hurts them with Luca free agency more than it helps them. But Luca goes down with any kind of injury where he's out for a long period. Yes, they will. They will tank um, because I just their, their rosters played out. I think they've hit the point of you've, you've you've got you know a generational talent in Luca, but that roster around him, it's not going to get it done. Period. I mean, you might sneak through a series if Luca gets hot and everything's all those threes are falling, which we saw against Phoenix and whatnot. But I just I just I, I think this they're very close. Um, outside of Luca, they're very close to the Chicago Bulls type roster, where it's like all right, we've tried it. 
we, we made a bit of noise in the regular season. We won a, a playoff series or, you know, in Chicago's case, didn't win a playoff series but made it after not making it for a long, long time. Got to move away from it. And I think they're very, very close. If they don't start winning some games and get, get over 500 comfortably, which I, I just don't think they do. I, I think, you know, I'd love to know, I have to probably look it up, but how many different lineups they've had this season, man. Like, Went from JaVel McGee in training camp. He's our starting center for the season, you know, and then within, what, three weeks, he was getting DMPs. Christian Wood now starting, which is good and bad. He's not great defensively, not the smartest player out there, but he's a bucket. Luca's now in and out of lineup, hurt the last couple of games. So, yeah, I mean, just just bad. They're not going to tank with, with Luca on the roster, but things will change. If, 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 he, if he happens to sustain some sort of injury where he's out for a month plus, I could definitely see them tanking because it just doesn't it doesn't make sense. The problem is, I mean, even with the tank, the, the West is so bad below them that they could they could tank their way to a plane anyway. <laughs> like, you know, you know, with the West. So, um, but yeah, to answer your question, fake news. Yeah, I, I don't think tanking's going to help them. I don't think a top 10 pick's going to help them. Yeah, it, it might put you in... You know, might give you five percent chance or whatever the percent chance is to getting you know the kid from France, but it's not really worth it in in the long run to do that. I think the competitive spirit of the team, trying to do what the you know trying to do everything they can do to try to put something together. It's really weird that whole that whole situation in Dallas is strange because yeah they lost Brunson but they did have you know Hardaway and Dinwiddie that they can get scoring from and. You know, probably just not enough shooting around the team. You know, although you know, if you look at it, there it's funny. Like when you look at it, you don't think they're a good three-point shooting team, and then they're third. You know, they're third in makes, they're third in attempts, they're fourteenth in in percentage. So they do make them, but you know, there is a lot of talk. They're still lost in rebounds. Are they still lost in rebounds? Lost, Last in rebounds. Last in offensive rebounding. Yeah, they're, they're last in those two categories for sure. And, and defense is pretty bad too, right? Yeah, you know, and they got one of the best, you know, defensive assistant coaches. Not that the, a coach matters a lot because of the fact that it's the players playing D, but, you know, Sean Sweeney is one of the better assistant coaches in the league. Oh, no, their defense is good. Sorry, bro. Their defense is good. Sixth. Sorry. The assists per game are 28th. Okay. <laughs> their yeah, defense, yeah. Uh, well, opposing points per game are sixth in the league. So, so, um, yeah, their points per game is 21st. So it's their rebounds and their assists, their last and third last, yeah. which is pretty dismal. No, yeah. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, they are letting up uh, their second worst in the league at three point percentage for opponent. They're allowing 39% to. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, they're in a rough spot for sure. Um, but it's just weird to me that they were so close last year. And yeah, like Brunson is a big loss. Don't get me wrong. He is. But they did have some scoring to sort of, you know, to make up for it. And, you know, to just so, you know, you didn't expect them to go 15 and 15 at this juncture. But, you know, Maxi Kleber's out now. Um, they've had the whole center thing with Wood. Um, you know, who do you play? Wood, Powell. Um, you know, even JaVel McGee sort of sat, you know, on the bench now. Um, you know, complaints about not enough shooting, but they do have some guys that can make shots. You know, Hardaway's been really bad. We've talked about that this year. Like, he's been really inconsistent with his scoring. Uh, Dinwiddie's been decent at times, but just consistency, I think, that this team lacks the most of. Where, like, last year, you watch them around the playoffs, they were, they were killing it. And, um, 
Yeah, it's just an interesting thing in the NBA. It's so it's so finicky about you know a couple of changes in the roster, and you know, you could have big it could pay big dividends for you either way. So um, yeah, just something weird to see. All right, folks. Last but not least, um, either the Lakers or Golden State both sustaining huge injuries. You know, for the next month or so with Steph and uh, Anthony Davis out, one of those teams will miss the whole playoffs, playing and all. One of these two teams are going to miss the playoffs. Fact or fake news? Oh, good one. Uh, looking at the standings, Minnesota. 500. I think the Lakers miss. Uh, I'm not, don't even, you, you don't have to say one of two. Just I think the Lakers are still going to miss. I think this 80 injury is going to kill them again. Um, yeah, I think Minnesota, not a great team, but they should scratch a plane. At least they play, they try to play a little bit of defense. Dallas are up there. Utah, Utah, they're still 17 and 15. They're, they're way better than the Lakers are, the three games above them. But yeah, I'm not, I think the Lakers are going to, going to fizzle out. God forbid LeBron tweaks a hammy or a calf and misses some games as well along the way. Um, which he's already had had an injury earlier this season. He'll go, work out so, my, he'll go down and work out from my, in Miami for a week and then end, end up averaging 47 and 20. You know, <laughs> but yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm I playing. Think, f- yeah. Yeah, go ahead. No, I do. I agree. I, I think it just puts a lot of pressure on LeBron um, in this next month without AD. And, you know, you're going to have to you know up his usage. Look, they're doing everything in their power right now to be at four points at home against Washington. Um, you know, I think I think it's going to be a real struggle for them. You know, I and the Warriors, the Warriors still have enough to steal some games. Jordan Poole had forty three today in a big win at Toronto. Um, you know, Clay's going to get hot in a few of those games without Steph, so they still they should still should trade five hundred ish without Steph in the lineup. So I'm not too overly concerned. At least at home they will, so they'll, they'll get enough wins on the in the column to keep them in that playing realm. Whereas the Lakers don't have that luxury, I don't think. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. And, and, you know, Golden State's a good team, too. Like, Wiggins has been out, and they do have a, some firepower sitting on the bench. Um, yeah, I think that they're they're in a funk right now. I'm not in that building, so I have no idea why. Um, and then, obviously, with the Steph deal, it, it, it's even worse. But, um, man, I'm still scratching my head of what's going on with that team. I think many, I think many people are, but it is weird what's going on with that team. And shout out to Thomas Bryant too, by the way. He's he's um, bounced back from an ACL injury. He was I was with him in LA for the you know three months or four months that I was there. Very fiery, passionate guy. <laughs> back then, as a rookie, he knew he'd he'd, he'd play in the NBA just because he's playing more G League. But he'd be trying to fight guys during practices, like really, really kind of um, aggressive type player, like doesn't take a step back from anybody. So um, he's, he's had a hell of a run here and he's playing playing well again tonight. But uh, shout out to Thomas Bryant. It's a name that you don't hear that often. That wraps up this week, Pro. We're going to take the Christmas off. Nice. Don't eat too much. Um, all you Australian uh, podcast listeners, please, please, if you live in Sydney, come and support the Sydney Kings. First ever Christmas Day game in sporting history in Australia not just basketball history sporting history we're giving it a crack see if it's going to work taking a bit of a risk uh, we have to double pay all you know people at the arena because it's it's penalty rates but we're taking that risk to try and put on a great show Santa will be there bring the kids um, and it's going to be on the main network of channel 10 so not 10 peach and 10 play and the the the, the 
alternate channels. It's going to be on free to air channel 10, the main station Australia wide. So if you cannot get to the game and you don't live in Sydney, um, you can still tune in and watch that against Melbourne United. It should be a great game. Melbourne United playing back into some form. Sydney Kings, tough loss against Southeast Melbourne. I'll be there in person for it with the kids and the family and enjoy your break pro. Um, Turkey or chicken for Christmas? What are you doing? Cake. <laughs> cake, cake for your main meal. Yeah, What's for dessert yeah, then? Yeah, yeah. Chocolate. A uh, double fudge cake. No, um, <laughs> we're going with. Uh, I think we're going to go with turkey. We're going to go with turkey. How about you, folks? Yeah. What do you guys I'm think? putting a turkey in. Uh, I got a turkey, actually. We're doing it today because we're leaving. We're doing it today with the family. Doing a fried turkey. Leaving... You don't, you're not one of those crazy motherfuckers, are you? That do those fried turkey. Roast. Oh, you roast it. You know how nah, those people like fried Roast, to... roast. You see those guys trying to fry it and nah. they literally like burn their house down because it's so hard to do. You know, because it like, you know, seriously, <laughs> they have the big fryers and like you can watch it on YouTube. There's millions of videos on people like burning their shit down because it explodes. If you don't put, because you got to put all this oil and grease in and you drop it in. If you don't know what you're doing, you could burn your shit down just so you know. Yeah, not us. I'm just roasting it. I got a pretty big turkey though. It's uh, nine kilos or 15 odd pounds. So we're putting that in. Uh, I think we put that in at one o'clock today. So it should be ready by seven. Nice little slow cook there. But turkey's not huge in Australia. Okay. Not a big, big, big thing. It's mainly chicken, but we're giving the, the turkey a crack. And everyone else out there, have a very Merry Christmas. Enjoy your New Year with family, friends. Um, and make sure you watch that damn basketball game here in Australia, bro. Have a good one. You too, folks. I'll see everybody in a couple of weeks. Let's get rogue.